You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Charles Hammaker here, joined by Bell Garcia, as always. Uh, and it seems like I always say, oh, maybe it's a quiet week. Maybe it, it, things don't get quiet around here. Not at I all. mean, last, you know, with, you know, in court, I think we incorporated Sports Star of the Week for Seattle at a good time. Because, you know, last week, you know, we had some pretty solid performances. You know, obviously, I was biased with Vander with Yacht. But Ty France has really had a really good homestand. Uh, fell into this choice now with three saves of the week. Mm-hmm. In out, so out of four, four weeks of this Challenge Cup, three saves of the week. That's three awesome. out of four is pretty impressive, you know, uh, to take the league-wide award, you know, something like that. So... I think we incorporated it at a good time. So it's, it's not like we can really uh, have a sort of off week or a slow week. I just don't think that's going to happen. So with that being said, that is the we're, what the last week of April now. We're approaching May. Some big things are happening. The NFL draft is coming up. Mariners season continues. The WNBA season is starting up. Mm-hmm. NWSL regular season starting up. NHL season is coming to an end for the regular season. And our guys won't see the postseason. Uh, MLR, Major League Rugby, their postseason sort of coming around, and the Seawolves playoff race continues to be tight. Uh, the Sounders continue in CCL, so things won't get slow. That's my <laughs> point. So with that being said, we're going to jump into a relatively slower Seahawks segment. Oh, what do we got going on over yeah. uh, with our guys uh, at the Seahawks? I'm actually going to pass it off right back to you because we do have a mock first round pick again this week. So for Charles's <laughs> pick, we have offensive tackle Evan Neal um, and then a potential surprise pick of Desmond Ritter. So can you just give us your thought process on this? Yeah. So, I mean, you see right now, we'll just leave this up for a second, looking at Evan Neal. I, I mean, I dug in. I'm digging in with this pick. I, I know I said we'd look at a, maybe a second one. But, you know, the three main positions of need for the Seahawks at the NFL draft and the media are really focusing on a quarterback, obviously, you know, cornerback and offensive tackle. I really don't think out of Pete Carroll and John Schneider's their stubbornness and how stubborn they tend to be, you know, with guys they bring in in free agency or with even the guys that they've currently got on the roster. I don't think they're going to go with a cornerback at number nine. Yeah. Let alone. I mean, you know this. They couldn't even, they might not even draft a number nine. <laughs> they went straight out of that pick. Right. So, you know, this is hypothetical. This is if they keep that pick, which, you know, there was a port uh, that came out, you know, just today about the NFL, about a bunch of teams want to trade out of that, out of the first round, out of the first, first round picks. It's tough. That's crazy. Um, Cause I know there isn't a, it, it's not like when there was like the Andrew Lux and the RG threes and Cam Newton uh, who are some other like Joe Burrow? There's no number one pick stamp on really anybody right now, let alone any of these quarterbacks. And quarterback is obviously a make or break position in this league for a lot of teams. A lot of teams, right? Uh, like I, I think that if you gave the Colts a star quarterback, not just an average guy, I think they're maybe an AFC favorite personally. If you gave the, if they somehow landed Russell Wilson without giving up too much, I think they're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Personally, that's a different subject, though. <laughs> um, so, you know, first round pick, I don't think that I personally don't see any of these quarterbacks as first number nine overall pick potential, maybe late first rounder if you're able to sneak sure. back in. But I don't know if you would. 
eh, with the reports about trading up, maybe with trading out, maybe some teams would bite for that. Um, but also with the two things with the Seahawks and drafting, you have to kind of assume they're going to trade out of that high pick that they've got. If that, that, that initial first round pick, right. To get more. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, um, and then two, you have to be ready for surprises like the Super Bowl. The, uh, I think it was 2012 year, you know, with, with Russell Wilson being in that draft later, who was the first round pick? You remember that? I know. It was Bruce Irvin. Nobody thought Bruce Irvin would be in the first round because of his off the field stuff. Goes first round. Bruce had a solid career. Uh, I think he signed with the Bears last year. I don't think he's playing this year. I don't believe so. Um, LJ Collier, did anybody expect him to go in the first? No. Rashad Penny, no. <laughs> you know, so you have to be ready for surprises. I think it's it's the idea of not knowing whether they're going to stay in that pick, which they probably won't, and then also the surprise factor. So I think maybe, you know, with the fact that they did have a, a, a visit with Ritter, that he could be in the cards there, and they the, the Pete Carroll whole mantra of competing. You know, you got Drew Locke and Geno Smith in there, and maybe, again, I'm a Husky, so Jacob Eason might be in the mix, but I don't really think. I think he's too much of a raw talent right now. Um maybe you do throw a guy in because do they maybe see Drew Locke? And that's the thing why I also kind of rule out the quarterback aspect of it as well, because they've talked to, there have been so many reports and they've even like said that they see Drew Locke as a guy who hasn't really been given a fair slate in the NFL. So I take, take the court. That's how I take the quarterback side of it out. Mm-hmm. Now we're left with the cornerback on offensive tackle cornerback. You signed Artie Burns, you re-signed, um, Help me out here. Sidney Jones, right? You got Trey Brown there still waiting. Uh, who else did we sign? Trey, Trey Brown. <laughs> it's totally Artie Burns. Sidney uh, Jones. You know, I know that it's – I just don't think that you have the cornerback room that you have. And then – especially even letting up on DJ Reed. Mm-hmm. You could have paid DJ Reed money. Yeah. You could have. With, could have kept you know. So I just – I think that with what they've added in that room – I cast that aside, and I think offensive tackle. Right now, you don't have Dwayne Brown. You don't have Brandon Shell. Right. So you've got like Stone Forsyth on the roster and Jake Curran, who are both I – mean, Curran played solidly uh, last year towards the end of the season. Forsyth, we have no idea how well he's progressed, mm-hmm. really. So which is, you've got two unknowns. Why don't you get a franchise guy like that you can have around and, and grow, but also be an immediate factor? And if we look back at the Neal side, what does the grading say? Uh, year one starter potential and he can grow that's that's how i look at it in this whole draft situation <laughs> yeah and, i mean it seems like you've kind of gone that same direction as well sticking exactly. with mr cross here yeah so for um, all the reasons that you just specified that's exactly why i'm sticking with charles cross and honestly again for all the reasons that you specified and maybe not even keeping this number nine pick it was so it's so hard to even try to mock something up so um, of course, we're looking at what is most needed. And yeah, I think doubling down on that is the way to go for now. Um, we'll see if any surprises come ahead. And, you know, that's why I remember when the Jamal Adams trade happened, I was like, I don't care if road first round, like in the, in the, like right off the bat, as yeah. soon as I read the Bleacher Report thing on my phone, I didn't care about it too, excuse me, too much because first round pick Seattle tends to trade out of them anyway. And, they haven't been that great again. Oh, and then uh, Quentin Jet, not Quentin Jefferson, Malik, um, Malik McDowell. I think he might have been early second round, but he didn't work out. So high picks weren't really a forte for Seattle. So that's why I didn't really 
quantify that as being much, you know. So I would say expect the unexpected when it comes to this draft, as we have seen in several years since Sean Schneider and Pete Carroll have been at the helm for Seattle. And expect a surprise because it's not like Seattle, uh, you know, or even Jordan Brooks, right? People thought that Patrick Queen was like the presumptive pick at the inside linebacker position um, in the draft. And so Seattle picks Jordan Brooks. And then right after that, with the Ravens pick, they took Patrick Queen. And I'd say Jordan Brooks is having a better career than Patrick Queen. I'm not saying that Patrick Queen is bad, but I'm saying that Brooks has turned out. So it's the, the Seahawks draft conundrum is a really interesting one. And so when that date comes up, what, and that's, that's three days um, that starts on Thursday. That's so, you know, expect the unexpected because really I don't know what to tell you. I would, I'm, if I have to throw something at the wall and hope that it sticks, <laughs> I'm not even sure if it is Neil. Maybe it is cross. I'm just saying offensive tackle. That's yeah. the only thing that I would feel like 60 to four, 60% confident about out of a hundred is that it's going to be an offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. And even then, I don't know if they trade out of it. So that's where we, we stuck with our picks. I know that we were talking about potentially looking at new ones. Um, I just don't see them going for a Derek Stingley. I don't think Sauce Gardner drops a number nine, let alone Malik Willis dropping right. a number nine yeah. now with recent mocks. But also, <laughs> there is the funny way that the draft works where some guys do slide, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there were rumors that Mac Jones might have gone top five and then he fell to the Patriots, you know? So stuff like that. The draft is a funny place and, it, you know, anybody that tells you usually outside of the top 15 or so where someone's going to go, it's kind of hard to predict that kind of stuff. So that's how I view the draft. Well, for sure, we'll have an update by next week since the draft is at the latter end of the week this week. So definitely we'll provide an update on Monday as to how the Seahawks did in the draft. Um, moving forward, there's not much about the Seahawks, um, of course, still tracking DK Metcalf and hopefully his contract extension. Um, as of now, DK says that he is tuned in in regards to his contract ex- situation. Head coach Pete Carroll says that he's really tuned in. He's shown a really good mentality about the return in regards to DK's attitude at voluntary workouts with contract talks in the looming, of course. Um, I don't know what to expect here. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I don't. I want to say that they'll reach an extension, but you never know. <laughs> I mean, with with what happened on March 8th, uh, with Russell being traded and Bobby Wagner being cut, I mean, even before then, there was some trust issues, but even more so now. Yeah. I mean, you know, talking, to, I mean, it was a few days before that happened, you know, in these like league meetings, they had to like, oh, the quarterback's not available. Right. And then, so, you know, um, I don't know. I would say if you, <laughs> if I'm in that chair where I want to win now and I'm John Schneider. You're going to keep DK. And yeah. I'm, I mean, there's so many avenues that you look at where that makes the most sense. I've got a young quarterback. If we're looking at, okay, say we're going with Drew Locke, or even if we draft a guy, I've got a young quarterback that needs a good weapon, DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a young star who wants to be a leader. He's talked about being a leader. I have to keep DK. I've got a young guy who's got tons of potential, tons and tons of potential, and isn't a one-trick pony. Why? Why? It, and it doesn't sound like he wants out. Thank God, because that's currently so, not the situation exactly. what, with others. What negative point do I have? To, I don't care about the cap, the salary cap. 
You're going to have to spend money. It's not like the Super Bowl where if you looked at the 2013 team, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, you know, Richard Sherman, Cam <laughs> Chancellor, Earl Thomas, the Legion of Boom, you know, that defense. Most of those guys were on rookie contracts or whatever or just, you know, weren't getting paid around the league minimum. You're not going to get that. Yeah. You can't replicate <laughs> that, you know. So I don't care about the salary cap. Throw money. Throw it at him. Boom. Give him what he needs. Yeah. So I, excuse me. I, I don't know what to expect, but at least in terms of how it breaks down logically, I don't see a con in terms of pros yeah. and cons. And like you just said, that segment or it gives us into our next segment really well. You mentioned that he doesn't want out and that <laughs> there he's not on a rookie contract. And that's not the case for Debo Samuel. And that's been Debo Samuel drama has been in the talks for, or it's just been popular for the last week. Um, on April 19th, Samuel Hall's deal with the 49ers. San Francisco is ready to sign the wide receiver, but Debo put a halt on everything for right now. On the 20th, Samuel asked teams to trade him, won't cite specific reasons. Um, the 49ers want a huge haul for Samuel. The belief is that he won't be traded unless they get a King's ransom. And Samuel doesn't want to play a wide receiver running back role anymore. Um, he doesn't want to be a hybrid, hybrid position. I, don't, I want to hear how you th- what you think about that because that's interesting to me. Because at least in that, re- like with Jimmy Graham, let's use Jimmy Graham as, a, as, a, um, as an example, right? Uh, Jimmy Graham, I remember in his last few years with the Saints, before he was traded to Seattle, uh, was pioneering to get a deal that was similar to a wide receiver deal Mm -hmm. because he viewed himself more as a wide receiver as opposed to a tight end. So, you know, if you think about it as being a guy who's like a hybrid, you'd think that would work yourself into some new money and maybe you get yourself, you know, you could argue I get more touches, I get more yards, I'm more valuable to the offense than standard wide receiver does. Sure. You know, you look at guys like, say, who got a deal? Okay, this isn't anything about Devontae Adams. Okay. <laughs> but ahead. does he he doesn't get those like jet sweeps or whatever or yeah. those design run kind of things? Like I Tyreek Hill maybe gets some of those, right? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm going with this, right? Yes. There are types of wide receivers. So I'm saying you could leverage yourself into some money. But I'm that part interests me. I'm wondering how much that thing about the hybrid is a falsity. I I wonder how much of this is a new deal. You know, because sometimes we've seen that where guys say, oh, I want out of here. I, you know, I blah, blah. And it's just, they, sign again. they just want you to throw more money at <laughs> mm-hmm. you so that, you know, oh, the green makes sense. So I'm going to mm-hmm. stay. But I'm really interested about that because I don't, that doesn't make entirely all that much sense to me. I mean, if I'm looking at the rest of the NFL wide receivers and the contracts that they received, maybe that would entice me to go the wide receiver route. Um, but, Otherwise, I don't. I don't know what about the running back role that he wouldn't prefer. I mean, yeah. do you do you get hit less as a wide receiver? Oh, um, yeah. Do you want to just like preserve your body for longer, and you know that this is the role that you're good at, and that you can continue to do for a long time? Yeah, um, that that part I think makes sense because obviously, yeah, if you are running back, you're going to be a guy that gets beat up more. Yeah. But also knowing, saying, hey, can we work on some stuff that's more outside? You know, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm assuming they don't run him up the gut. Right, is obviously not a between the tackles yeah. guy. Yeah, but I again that that quote that report about the hybrid situation really sort of intrigued me, and I'm interested to see 
it, how much of that was actually real. Yeah. And how much of that may be just someone is putting out information about Debo Samuel because his name is on the presses right now. Who knows? I did, however, see a video a couple of days ago where he's um, at a club and they are they have one of those signs that they bring out every now and then. And it said Devo is staying in San Francisco. And he was just like giving like the cut it. <laughs> um, oh, that's what that video was. <laughs> yeah. So um, who knows? I Obviously, something's got to change. I don't know if he's just demanding more money or if he really wants to leave and just San Francisco isn't his place anymore. But We'll continue to keep you guys posted on that situation. Um, moving on here, on the 21st, the NFL said that they would drop this, a schedule on May 12th. Select additional games will be announced in the days and weeks leading up to a full release. Um, Cardinals not trading Kyler Murray. General manager Steve denies any report that the team will trade their quarterback. Uh, how much belief do you have in that, seeing that our situations were kind of similar and Russ got traded anyway? With, it's interesting because I feel like if you continue to have the issues that Arizona has had, you know, how many times in the last few years, right? I mean, as a, as a Packer fan, I'm sure you see, you know, mm-hmm. top, of the, top of the NFC, you know, Green Bay tends to be there. Uh, but sometimes in the earlier part of these seasons, Arizona starts out, oh, hey, Arizona's 5-1. Five, five yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And then, you know, they get to like 7-2. and what are the, well now it's a 17 game season season so let's say seven and two right they're seven and two they're top of the nfc what do we do oh no they look really good the nfc west could go through them you know yeah. the rams have come and then there's a collapse you know uh last year it was what it was like was murray injured or it was whatever? about a month yeah it was after the green bay game kyler murray was injured i think and it was it was lingering they said that he might return they didn't give a timeline they didn't say what exactly he injured and it just i think it turned into a month and maybe even more that he was out so of course that only enabled the skid there and the record to change but who knows again we'll keep tracking all this and make sure to notify you guys once we have more information um also on the 21st deshaun jackson may may not retire he says he's not really sure about playing next season but is open to joining a couple teams a few teams he's open to joining the chiefs packers browns or broncos so interesting list there. <laughs> yeah for sure um i know broncos are on there i didn't realize that he was on the list. They were on the list. Well, I mean, I think it's definitely a situation where he doesn't want to have to deal with the quarterback that won't get him the ball. Yeah. It's one of those things where he, you know, probably wants to go out on top, mm-hmm. you know, wants to play with a guy, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. What were the other ones? Patrick Chiefs, Mahomes, Packers, Browns, or Broncos. Sean Watson, you know. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I'm interested to see. It's got to be a mutual thing, right? Mm-hmm. How many guys definitely. want to take on a wide receiver? That's getting old, probably playing one of the last years of his career. Right. How many guys want to take that on, especially with their cap, salary cap? You know, how much money does Deshaun want? Mm-hmm. Sure. We'll continue to monitor that and see where he heads, and not retirement. Um, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, would. I have to figure one of the teams is like, hey, man, we'll do a, like yeah. a near event minimum for you. You know, not obviously too much, but I'm sure that someone, someone will find a spot for Deshaun Jackson. For sure. All right. On April 22nd, Earl Thomas states that he wants to return. The seven-time Pro Bowl safety Super Bowl champ hopes to resume his career at age 33. How realistic do you think that is? <laughs> I mean, I'm... <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's 
different than some of the situations with guys wanting to come back into the league. But um, I'm wondering if it's, you know, with, with what happened with his brother and with the, some of the stuff he's had with coaches and former teammates where they didn't even want him in Baltimore anymore. How much of the people around the league said, hey, we saw what happened. We're going to we're going to pass. You know? Yeah. So I I would say the likelihood of him signing to a team, I'd say is 30 to 70 in favor of no. <laughs> Got some personal baggage there to figure out. Yeah. Um, exactly. Also on the 22nd, it was reported that the NFL will play three Christmas games. The league will expand Christmas late to three games this year for the first time. Um jam-packed christmas day and it normally is for the nba too so where do you think that viewership goes yeah well you know why they're doing that they want to fight with the nba for that <laughs> viewership so i mean it, it i think you know it comes down in terms if you're just eh, you want the who's going to get the viewership i think it depends on what matchups you put definitely but it's also you know you talked about the the schedule being announced here uh earlier in league news yes um a lot of there are a lot of times where you know the league schedules a game in a prime time slot and they hope it's going to be a really good game and then maybe three weeks into the season they're crap they're like oh this isn't a really good matchup a really good afc team is playing an nfc team that is like winless you know so it's it's tough i think it's going to be if you get some situations around that time christmas time you know you're getting gearing up for playoffs you know you got to have some teams I mean, people will still tune in. The NFL fan base is huge in this country. You know, it's the most viewed sport by far in, in the States. Um, what do you think one of those matchups will need to be in order for it to really entice people? One of the AFC North matchups. That division is going to be really tough, you know, I think. Or even even AFC West. You know, you look at the Chiefs, the Raiders, mm -hmm. the Broncos, the Chargers. I would say it's got to be a divisional game. And it's got to be one of those, because I don't know who do you look at in the in the in the NFC. I don't really look at the NFC uh, West right now because we're not really in it. The Cardinals probably won't be mm -hmm. in it too much. The Rams, maybe the 49ers. Who's Debo Samuel? Take oh, it off no. the cards. Yeah. So, ooh, what if you put a Rams Packers in there? That would have playoff implications. Silence. <laughs> I, I think it has to be AFC North, AFC West. I remember a few years ago, the AFC, it was AFC North. It was Steelers Ravens and Big Ben threw it to AB yeah. at the goal line and he reached over to win the game. Uh, and I think it gave them the division on Christmas Day. So I think it's going to have to be AFC North, AFC West. I'm taking it a little bit more personal and not going with a division, but just going with like a Packers Raiders matchup. I would like to see that. <laughs> I mean, the Raiders could be a playoff team this year. I mean, yeah. everybody kind of, I'm not going to use that word. Everybody kind of pooped on Derek Carr, you know, <laughs> as soon as they saw that Devontae Adams was going there. He's not a bad quarterback. Uh, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. Hold my thoughts. I'm not saying he's great. <laughs> I just don't think he's bad. Okay. I think he's average to good at times. At times. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay. We can agree there. <laughs> um also reported on the 22nd steve young says that we need to be better in regards to learning about a former teammate having cte and that former teammate is greg clark um the 49ers legendary qb wants an improved environment for nfl players to discuss mental health um in full support obviously i completely agree and this brings me back to um dk metcalf actually and saying that 
therapy should not be looked at in a negative way. So if a player needs help, then it'd be nice for them to have an environment that they can seek that help. Yeah. And I think it's important, especially a guy of like, like Steve Young, who is, you know, a legendary quarterback and a guy who obviously has a large platform to say stuff like that. Yeah. And I think it's really important that that's said, because there could be guys, you know, like him in his situation, it's got a large following that, you know, believes this, but if they don't say it, it doesn't matter. They don't know your stance <laughs> on it, you know, and you couldn't, if you know, you're not saying anything about it, people don't know your stance on it. So it's important yeah. to say these things, you know, sure. so I, I think that's all around, like you're saying, it's all around a good thing. You added a couple notes here to the 25th, which is today, and I'm not too sure what that means. So I'll have you elaborate on that. Uh, on the 25th, the Panthers <laughs> reportedly do not want Baker Mayfield, which is certainly a headline. Okay, so I'm going to actually cut you off there because look at what I see on my screen. Oh, Bell's notes have not updated. So Mine just says Panthers repo, so I wasn't sure where they, who they were being repoed by. Yeah, the Panthers organization's been repoed. Uh, Carolina is not expected to trade for the Browns quarterback prior to the first night of the NFL draft, let alone at all. So that's, I guess, Robbie Anderson gets his wish. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is that Amazon reportedly wants to add a Black Friday game. So in addition to the Thanksgiving games that always take place and the, the, the now three uh, Christmas games that will be taken, is that something that was confirmed or they're talking about it, the Christmas games? Uh, I'm not sure. We can well, I don't remember check what we here. said about that. Uh, but Amazon wants to add uh, a game on the day after Thanksgiving um, for its streaming platform. So that is... It is confirmed. The three Christmas okay, games. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Three, thing, three Christmas games, three Thanksgiving games, and now Black Friday. I just think it's too much. I, it's a Friday game. It's weird. It throws people off. I don't know. I, I'd I don't, say scrap it. Really? Um, I really... I. I enjoy being able to watch sports just back to back. So I mean, in the winter, there's already prime. You'll have college football by oh, those that that'll be bowl season, right around Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. Oh, that's rivalry yeah. week actually, because I remember the Apple Cup is always around that time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it definitely so is. So you already have rivalries. Yeah. I mean, anyway. too many. What's uh, what do we got looking ahead? <laughs> um, the draft. That is all we have to look ahead for the week here. So, of course, like I said, we'll definitely update you guys on how the Seahawks do and if they keep that number nine pick or they trade that away. I off the top of your head, are they keeping it? Are they keeping it at no. number nine or not? No? no, I agree with you. No, <laughs> but if they keep it, they make a pick. Well, uh, be okay surprised. <laughs> So we'll toss it over here to our baseball team. Before we start this, I want to thank Pico. Obviously, they're on Morning Update Show, and that staff is on break this week. But to be able, you know, it's throughout the season, you'll you'll see myself um, as well as Bell, you know, interchangeably, you know, at the ballpark, uh, you know, for these games. But it was it was a really cool moment, you know, to be in the Mariners press box, you know. Obviously, we want to do our best to give you the best coverage of all of these teams here, you know, in our city, all seven of them, you know, not to be able to hold credentials with six of the seven is not only an incredible blessing, but baseball was always the big thing for me. My dad gave me my love of baseball. That was always such a big thing. You know, all these sports are great. Don't get me wrong. The Seahawks in their heyday. Great. I had their heyday, which was like a few years ago, <laughs> you know, um, but to to be there, it was kind of funny, you know, as that game went into extra innings, and we'll get to those games and why I mentioned extra innings if you don't know. Um, it just felt it felt right. 
special. You know, sitting there writing my little scorecard, it felt right. So that was that was a big moment, and a lot of that wouldn't be not, not only this show, you know, but obviously that wouldn't be possible without Big O. So I hope they're doing well on their time uh, time off, you know. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, we've got scores to give you. So. We'll get into that here in the game recap for the past week for our Seattle Mariners Baseball Club. Uh, the Mariners uh, had two series over the past week that we've got covered. The Rangers and the Kansas City Royals. On the 19th, the team played the Rangers uh, in the first game of the three-game series, winning that game 6-2. to two. Play of the game third baseman Eugenio Suarez going one for four with one run and three RPIs. On the 20th versus the Rangers, a 4-2 to two win taking the series. Player of the game would be pitcher Logan Gilbert. In his start, he went 6.2 innings. Record, uh, allowing only six hits, zero runs, zero earned runs, zero walks, and four strikeouts. So Logan, another impressive start there to begin his year. April 21st versus the Rangers, an 8-6 to six loss. So no sweep there. Put away the brooms. You don't get to have mm-hmm. that. Uh, play the game, yet. shortstop, J.P. Crawford going one for four with one run, and uh, w- one run, three RBIs, and a walk. April 22nd versus the Kansas City Royals, a 4-1 to one win as we switch over to the Royals here, and you'll see what's on the screen there. Oh, um, <laughs> player of the game in that first win over the Royals, uh, player of the uh, center fielder Julio Rodriguez going 2-4 for four with a run and two RBIs. April 23rd versus the KC Royals, a 13-7 to seven win, so a big win there. Player of the game, first baseman Ty France, and we'll get to Ty France, don't worry about that. Going 5-6, for six, so his first career five-hit game, uh, recording three runs and five RBIs is also his first five RBI game. Uh, and then to wrap up the series there, April 24th versus the Royals, a five to four win in 12 innings. Uh, first baseman uh, Ty France, the player of the game there as well, going three for five with a run, two RBIs and a walk. So um, how amazing was T-Mobile Park that day? God, a lot of them stayed. You know, yeah. I know once we got to extra, people were like, ah, screw this. And especially once we got to 12th, 12, you know, because the game started at one and that was around five. So that's four hours, a four hour game. You know, you hope those things don't really happen. Yeah. But um, the atmosphere, it was kind of incredible, even on a home opening day and just continuing it, you know, not necessarily in those Texas games because people don't really care about the Rangers because they suck. Um, but, you know, the weekend games and home opening day to see an atmosphere like that in April is kind of unheard of. You don't really get that. It's April, you know, people are still kind of getting into it. Um, and that kind of comes in the summer and late season, right? In April, that sort of excitement, it just kind of shows you and gets you excited about what we'll see in the summer. Mm-hmm. The crowds will see, you know, weekends in the summer, July, June. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's it should be really, really exciting. But you see there, you know, when we looked at the road trip, I know that they had some some tough performances. Obviously, we talked about the one in the rain, the wind in Chicago. Um, just trying to get it in. There are a lot of new pieces to this team. and You want to let them settle in and get, you know, work together. I mean, we look at the game on the 24th. No, it's pardon me. The 23rd, 13 runs, mm-hmm. you know, uh, let's see this. What? 13 runs, six runs, four runs, six runs, four runs, 13, five. So the offense was really kind of putting things together. And even in that home opening day win is 11 to one against the Astros last week, you know? So I think they're settling in because again, I didn't want to look at that first week and get too judgmental, you know, because it's the first week out of 162 games. I'm not that worried. So, you know, it was really nice to see them kind of settle in, but also what was interesting was Jesse Winker, 
you know, after he walked the game off yesterday, said, I've, I don't remember the exact quote, and I can get that here, but he basically said he was excited to be a part of a, a clubhouse that wanted to win. <laughs> and that was, that was pretty incredible to see, and I can get that here. Um, but I've been waiting my whole career uh, to play for an organization that wants to win. And this is this is wow. the Mariners, by the way. Yeah. You know, there are people that I hear all the time because I have to hear this discourse. Oh, they're, they're going to make it this year. Oh, it's the same old Mariners. Mm-hmm. That's so far from the truth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was really cool to hear. Um, so it was it was a they went, what, seven and two on the homestand, which is pretty damn solid. And they had some one guy that had his bat on fire. But. Uh, before I go to my player of the game, player of the week, uh, Bell, who did you pick? Uh, I, I, I think we swapped again this we week. We did, and I, honestly, we're probably going to see these guys on our player of the week a lot. But I went with JP Crawford. Um, he had, let me pull that up here, twenty three at bats, three runs, eight hits, one double, one triple, two home runs, a seven RBI, seventeen total bases. Um, a 0.348 average, a 0.429 OBP, a 0.739 slugging, and then a 1.168 on base plus slugging. So, I mean, I think, I think we should move on to Ty France though here. I really want to hear about his. <laughs> well, before that, I think it's important to note even in the even before the homestand, right? JP had a was putting together a solid season, and you know, I maybe it's just because he doesn't hit a ton of home runs or whatever mm-hmm. or isn't yeah i wouldn't say he's not flashy i think he's flashy i think he's he's got his own flash <laughs> um but it's i think he's putting together a really solid season um and he's been doing so down near the bottom of the order i know they bumped him up to third um i believe two games ago but he's just been a really solid contributor a guy that for the longest time was said that you know he really wouldn't be able to hit very well yeah. Um, was just going to be a glove, just going to be good defensively. And he's good defense. He's great defensively. Don't get me wrong. He's had some errors uh, at the beginning of the season, but it's early season again. But, you know, to be able to contribute, what was that? A We look back here. I mean, just look at the – I mean, he even had the two homers over he the did, past week. yeah. You know, and so coming off of that extension and, of course, you're, you're a guy on the list. Now people are – crying out for an extension for him so so. (laughs) um but i don't i don't want him his shine to go unnoticed yeah definitely but with that being said mr france here um i mean over the past week i'll just i can i have you look at those i mean it was a pretty impressive impressive list and uh those last few games i mean we look at the five hit game the five rbi game the same thing you know just He's always been a solid hitter, but let's, I mean, I'll just have you look at the stats. Yeah, so Ty France's stats for the last week, 26 at-bats, 7 runs, 13 hits, 1 double, 3 home runs, a 10 RBI, 23 total bases. Um, what, what else do we have here? Two walks, <laughs> a 500 average of 0.552 on base percentage, a 0.885 slugging percentage, and a 1.436 on base plus slugging. That speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean, it speaks for it itself. Does. And on top of that, you know, being a guy that last year was snubbed for a Gold Glove nomination at the first base, he was like a hundred. He was like totally perfect in fielding percentage. He had really good zone defense. I mean, it was a guy that he should have won a Gold Glove too. On top of his on on top of his offense, so. 
two guys again that are they're really good friends, but also you know big parts of the offense, not only defensively, big parts of the infield, not only uh, defensively, but also on the offensive side of the ball, mm -hmm. obviously. So. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think we'll be rotating these guys a decent amount uh, throughout the season. So uh, we go to look at the injury news here. And this is where things get kind of interesting for our Mariners because you see this last homestand, and most of this homestand was played without these guys. So we look over here on the 19th, uh, Luis Torrens was placed on the injured list. Uh, on the 20th, Paul Seawald was placed on the injured list. These are COVID, by the way. Um, are they? Well, Paul Seawold was, sorry. I don't know about Terence. Okay. Uh, Scott Service, manager Scott Service and Coach Manny Acta were also placed on COVID IL. So uh, Coach Christopher Negron was named the acting manager. Negron had actually coached the Tacoma Rainiers last year as a manager, so he had some experience in that regard. Um, on the 25th, Terence was activated from the IL, so just a little bit ago today, first baseman Mike Ford, who was the resulting move uh, last week for Terence, was optioned to AAA Tacoma after the 24th and then DFA'd after the 25th so uh you know you look at this you look at this team and going seven and two on the homestand and playing a decent amount of those games you know now without mitch hanniger without your mm -hmm. uh your, your skipper scott service without luis torrens you know and without one of your best bullpen guys and paul seawald on top of that you know ken giles is injured uh one of your a relief pitcher that was one of the best relievers in the game a two a few years ago rookie of the year kyle lewis you know they're reinforcements that are in in the wings for the Mariners. So to see the offensive production and to see the way that this team has played so far, I don't know. I, uh, it's exciting to look at. So as we continue into team news over here on the 19th, as I mentioned, Mike Ford was the first baseman selected from AAA Tacoma in the resulting move to Terenz being placed on the injured list on the 20th. Penn Murphy, the right-handed pitcher, uh, was selected from AAA Tacoma as a resulting move for Paul Seawald. On the 23rd, the Mariners acquired outfielder Stort Fairchild from the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for cash considerations. As a resulting move for that, infielder Kevin Padlow was designated for assignment. Um, and then on the 25th, Ty France was named American League Player of the Week or that player that week he just had. So uh, nice to see, though, that... Uh, someone in Major League Baseball has some eye over on Seattle and what Seattle's doing because that doesn't happen that often. Um, so overall, I would say a good past week for our Mariners mm -hmm. as we head over to League Newts. League Newts? League, league Notes. Uh, the MLB may be looking into expansion in Nashville. Uh, former All-Star Dave Stewart leads a group that is bidding for a Nashville club that would be the first majority minority-owned MLB team, hmm. which is interesting. Um, don't know how I feel about Nashville. I mean, I don't really care. I wouldn't be opposed <laughs> to it, but it's an interesting choice in my opinion. Um, the Tigers, Detroit the Tigers, Miguel Cabrera, became the 33rd member of the 3,000 hit club. He's only the seventh player to have 3,000 hits and 500 home runs on his career, uh, joining Ty Cobb and Al Kaline. So it was really cool to see uh, Mickey get that. I mean, a guy who actually started his career, I think, on a home run. Um, I think I also read that he's the first Venezuelan to do it. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So that's big. Uh, but it was interesting. Because there was all the drama leading into it. I mean, I remember they were playing the Yankees and in like the ninth in his last at bat in one of the games, they intentionally walked him just so he couldn't get the chance to do that. That was, I mean, come on. 
you know, that was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Um, oh, Yankees. Outfielder Mike. Yeah, we've got some more Yankee <laughs> stuff here in a sec. Don't worry about that. Outfielder Michael Conforto is out for the year. The free agent outfielder had season-ending shoulder injury uh, surgery last week. He was a Mariners target potentially during the lockout, but obviously the Mariners did not go that way, acquiring Jesse Winker. Um, and then Yankees fans, as we mentioned, throw trash on the field uh, in their series against the Cleveland Guardians and following a Yankees walk-off win, fans threw trash on the field in the direction of the Cleveland outfielders. Uh, Guardians outfielder Miles Straw called the Yankees fan base the worst fan base on the planet. Um, Don't see how you could feel any other way when you're getting trash thrown at you. Yeah, I mean, that's just obviously such a <laughs> trash thing to do. <laughs> And it's a garbage thing to there. do. So, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Looking ahead, um, you know, for our Seattle Mariners here, they sit now at a 10-6 and six record on the season, which isn't it's not bad. No. You're first in the AL West right now. Looking ahead, you, you go on the road, you go down to Florida, all right? You go to play the Tampa Bay Rays April 26th through 28th. April 26th uh, at the Rays, a 340 start. April 27th, also a 340 start. And then April 28th, a 10 a.m. start. April 29th at the Miami Marlins, a 3.40 start. April 30th at the Marlins, a 3.10 start. And then May 1st at the Marlins, a 10.40 start. So you see there, you know, some mm -hmm. afternoon games. And then to finish up their series, they've got those day games. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It should be an interesting road trip because the Rays, you know, for a decent amount of time here have been a solid contending team reaching the World Series. Uh, the Marlins haven't been good in a while. So... Uh, it's, it's still early season, and my again, I'll preach this throughout the year. The most important thing to me for a playoff team is the team that is figuring out how to get back to the playoffs, just to win series. I don't, you don't have to get the sweep every time, but like with these games of three, win two out of three, yeah, and then move on. You know, let's so hope they could keep their. That's how I look at that, and we will throw it over to Bell here for our Seattle Storm, who played. It was their a preseason pre game, preseason game, but it was a game. On April 23rd, the LA Sparks faced the Phoenix Mercury and they came out with a win, 81 to 68. I'm pretty sure it was like late in the first quarter and they were up 20 to 2 or something like that. So the storm came and it was quite the storm <laughs> for oh, the Mercury. Wow. <laughs> um, our player of the game is Brianna Stewart, who had 20 points, four assists, and three rebounds. And honestly, I think I'm pretty surprised by Stewie, how much Stewie was on the court. Um, I didn't normally go into preseason games assuming that the stars aren't going to make much of an appearance, but Stewie made a presence and well, even Drew Lloyd, <laughs> Drew Lloyd had 15 points in the yeah, first quarter sure. and then only scored three of the right man into the game. Super didn't see any action at all. No. Which, why should you? Right. Um, but it was a solid game. I mean, you see the second unit kind of came in later in the game and LA started to kind of make a push at it. Uh, Reina Perez, a training camp contract player, had nine points off the bench, yes. and I thought she played uh, pretty well. Um, it's interesting, though, because, again, with the roster size, you know, Breon January and Gabby Williams haven't reported back because they're still overseas. Mm -hmm. uh, Mercedes Russell's injured right now. Um, so it's really interesting to see the makeup of, like, the opening day roster compared to um, – maybe I say a month or two down the line just because of the injuries because of overseas stuff. So yeah, we're interested to see who works their way into the lineup, who earns a roster spot to begin with. Do you think that the, just the way that they came together to get this win though is a good takeaway and maybe 
I think coming out and dominating to I'm sure because I'm sure of Stewie and Jewel out there that mm-hmm. uh, LA LA is a newly retooled team. Yes. I don't think they're going to make that much noise. Yeah. Um, in the West, but I think it was a good showing to begin the game. Yeah. Certainly, I think it kind of shows you the level that you're going to need again if you want to be a contending team and if you want to send Sue the right way out. Now you kind of kind of play like that for sure. Um, moving on here, we have some injury news on the 18th. Of course, it was reported that Brianna Stewart was easing back into practice after undergoing minor Achilles surgery last October. Didn't seem to affect her much in that first preseason game. Again, she is our player of the game with 20 points. Um, so looking good after after surgery. Uh, looks like she took the proper time to come back onto the court and just excited to see what she does with the regular season here. Um, moving on to team notes on the 21st, it was reported that Amazon prime video becomes the official streaming home of the storm. So if you can't watch those games on Fox 13 or what's the other streaming platform where we, I know the WNBA, uh, has their own league pass, which is only, it's only $25 and you can watch every single game. It's not like, I think some league passes where you pay the, whatever charge it is, and then you can only watch your team, Mm -hmm. right? Buy the league pass for the year. It's $25 and you can watch every single game. Okay. Perfect. Um, the a Prime will be showing approximately 30 Storm games and will be available to Prime video customers throughout Washington State. So basically, there's no excuse. You know, you can't say, oh, I don't know what it's on. We'll, we'll list it here. And even, you know, I think we'll do that, you know, similar to the Rain games with who their broadcast partners will be for respective games. We'll do that with the Storm. You know, when we do... Um, when we do the show here, obviously, yeah. we'll do it in upcoming. And then on the game day posts that we post on social media, which, again, you're not so following us on social media, please uh, be sure to do that. Um, as someone puts it right over here, um, <laughs> uh, you know, put the, the partners because it's now it's uh, Amazon Prime Video here in the state. You know, Fox 13, if you're in the you know Seattle area and then the League Pass, which twenty five dollars for a League Pass is pretty good. I mean, I think NBA is like a hundred something. Oh goodness, yeah. 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 So, so like MLB, something like NFL. I think that's. Closer. I think you don't have many ex- uh, excuses. Three different ways to do that. If you're local, Fox 13, uh, Amazon Prime Video, which just about everybody has Amazon nowadays. Or if you're not, and you want to, you know, watch Sue's last season, League Pass, and you get to watch all the other games anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. not a bad deal. No um, excuses. Currently, they stand at a one to zero record. Of course, that is the one preseason game. And looking ahead, we have one more preseason game on the 28th at the Phoenix Mercury, and that is a 7 p.m. game. So we will transition now to our Sounders. How did they do this week? I don't even want to. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. So coming off of that week where, you know, you beat New York City FC to advance to the CCL final, the CONCACAF Champions League final, but then you lose to Miami just three days later. And I mean, it was just like a one goal loss. It's like, okay, this will happen. You know, it's earlier in the season. You're coming off of a really important game as opposed to a game that's earlier in the regular season of the MLS and it shouldn't really matter that much. Then you play San Jose, the Earthquakes, who have not won a game at all, mm. and they're the lowest team in the Western Conference, and you lose two to four. Uh, I, I normally with losses like this, I don't highlight players of the game, yeah. but because Nico Ladero had a goal to assist on one shot on target and a seventy nine point six pass percentage, 
I will do so. So Nico Ladero with the goal and two assists there, responsible, you know, being a part of all of Seattle's goals. Seattle went into halftime up two to one. Okay, fine. And then they went up three to one. You say, okay, this is a team that has not won a game. They probably won't be able to finish out a game. And then you give up two goals around the 65th minute. You say, hey, we're tied right now. But also, you know, San Jose, there's a caveat to all of this. San Jose, to give up the first goal that they gave up, gave up a penalty kick on a, a play that really should have been a red card and had San Jose playing with only 10 men. So there's one caveat. And then that you see that four there, three to four, their final goal came off of a penalty that shouldn't have been called. And this is all, I don't remember his specific name. I think it was like Uncle. Uh, and U-N-K-E-L uh, was the referee. I guess he's notorious for not changing his decisions even after a replay review. And that same thing happened. So mm. problematic, yes. to say the least. Uh, but certainly a frustrating loss. Obviously, I know that after the Miami loss, Brian Schmetzer said that the team was pissed off. <laughs> they really should And I know <laughs> he was visibly pissed off, even at halftime of this one. Yeah. So really interested to see you know, what the rebound is for this because the rebound game... Situa- situation now has m- much more importance. Um, so we'll get to that in a second. But so here's a stat for you. Um, prior to this loss, the Sounders had won 123 straight MLS matches in which they led by two goals at any point in the match, dating wow. back to June of 2009. 2009, the year when uh, the Sounders were back in their next, their latest iteration. Uh, so the record in that situation is now 128 wins, one draw, and the one loss. Yeah. So that's a historic loss, no way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, frustrating. Uh, as we head over to injury news here, uh, we have some more. It's like Yamar tracker. On the 19th, Yamar was a full participant in training. And on the 20th, Yamar was confirmed to be available uh, for uh, selection in that game. Uh, against the San Jose Earthquakes. I don't think he saw much action at all, if that. So it might be more so that they're holding him to be ready for the CCL final, um, which comes up on Wednesday. So we'll see about that. Uh, on the, also on the 22nd, Dylan Tevez was ruled out with a right hamstring strain um, against uh, San Jose in that match. So hoping that that's not too much of uh, importance there. In team-related notes, I know we talked about U.S. Open Cup last week. Mm-hmm. The Sounders were announced to find out their opponent for the round of 32, and it's the San Jose Earthquakes. <laughs> so, so the Sounders will play the San Jose Earthquakes in the round of 32 for the U.S. Open Cup. Something that's really interesting to me is that the Sounders have played San Jose in the U.S. Open Cup several times. I think it's 12 matches. Uh, none of them have been at Lumen Field. None. All different, all different venues. And this match, guess where it's, not, guess where it's been played? Not at Lumen Field. It's going to be down at Starfire Sports Park uh, Complex in Tukwila. Really? Where the Sounders have their training facility and the Seawolves play. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Odd. Um, so there's that for you. U.S. Open Cup news. And we'll get when that's actually scheduled. We'll, we'll find that more out uh, for you. In terms of league-related notes, on the 21st, the MLS will be keeping its all-star format from last season. The August exhibition match will pit MLS all-stars against the best players from Liga MX for the second straight year. Uh, we head over to upcoming and sort of the uh, record and standings here. Um, so the Sounders sit in MLS play at a two win, four loss, one draw record. They sit at 11th in the Western Conference. Looking ahead, looking to bounce back, they will play Unam Punas, Pumas on April 27th uh, on the road down in Mexico City. 
with a 7.30 p.m. start time. That game will be broadcast um, here in the States on Fox in English on FS1. That is the first leg of the CCL final, which is massive. Um, again, no MLS team has ever won that trophy. That's putting yourself on the world stage for an MLS team. So this is, a, you know, when they talk about this being a big, well, it was funny. Brian Schmetzer had a press conference after uh, he had a clip from the locker room after the win against New York City. He said, this is a big effing deal for the club, yeah. which it is because this is, again, putting yourself on the world stage. It's pretty solidly important. So, you know, um, that's going to be a big match. So having Yamar back for it would be a really big deal. You know, the best defender that you've got, a defender of the year finalist last year, uh, just being fully healthy uh, will be a big deal. So really interested to see how leg one goes, because obviously, like we've seen with the Sounders in the CCL final, CCL as a whole, in the different brackets they've played, you know, if you play a really good leg one, you can, I, I wouldn't say you can afford to slouch in the second leg, but you've got some uh, some leeway yeah. in the next leg. So, That's in a couple days here, so hopefully they're ready. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a big deal. So we head over to our Kraken here. Over the past week, played four games as we're looking up to uh, finish out the regular season. Uh, on the 18th, played the Ottawa Senators in a 4-2 to two win. Uh, player of the game would be forward Victor Rask, scoring one goal, one assist, two points, a one plus minus with three shots on goal in his 499th NHL game. Uh, so a nice win there for Seattle. Uh, April 20th versus the Colorado Avalanche, the best team in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Seattle would win that game, holding on to a 3-2 three, uh, three to two win. Player of the game, defenseman Will Borgen with one assist, one point, a one plus minus, one shot on goal, three hits, and two blocks. Again, the best team in the West. Uh, Victor Rask did play in his 500th career NHL game, so congratulations to Victor for that. Um, April 26th at the Minnesota Wild on the road, a 3-6 to six loss. Seattle had a lead going into that second period, and they gave up, I think, five goals in the second period. So collapse there. Third of the game for Jared McCann with two assists, two points, a one plus minus, and two shots on goal. And then April 23rd at the Dallas Stars, a two to three loss, another mm-hmm. collapse in the second period there. Player of the game for Yanni Gord with one goal, one point on five shots on goal, recording his 100th career goal. So yeah. kind of a split there over the yeah. past week. You know, you get those two wins at home. Um, and then, you know, against Dallas, they're just Dallas and Minnesota. The second period collapses. Just, uh, I mean, it's stuff from a team. This is the team that's what in eighth in the Pacific Division, near the bottom of the near the basement in the NHL. I don't expect a ton more. Yeah, it's just like you've been playing better as of late. I would have liked you to continue that, but it, it's near the end of the season. These guys are almost done with regular season, so I'm interested to see how they they fully close that out because these next four games are their last. Right. For the their inaugural season, so we have a little prospect check in here. Uh, last year was last two weeks. It's been all Maddie Beniers this, Maddie Beniers that. On the twenty first, the team signed defenseman. Uh, well, before I get to that, Riker Evans, the defenseman, the second overall pick by the Kraken in last year's draft. He was the thirty fourth, the fifth, well, second pick by Seattle in the draft last year. The thirty fifth overall pick in the draft as a whole. Um, Evans was named to the East Division All-Star team uh, down in the WHL and earned the Bill Hickey uh, Most Popular Player Award for the Regina Pats in the WHL. And on the 22nd, uh, the team signed Wrecker Evans to a three-year entry-level contract. He will start 
uh, next season in the AHL. I believe he's already joined the Checkers in the AHL. Um, he's set to he set WHL career highs in the 2021-2022 season in goals uh, with 14, assists with 47, points with 61, a plus-minus with plus nine, and game-winning goals with three. So, uh, I know he's he, obviously Veneers, you know, being the number two overall pick in last year's draft. Uh, that was a big deal to sign him, and he's he had a five-game point streak. I don't know if it extended to six, but you know, really important. He he he's made impact already. Yeah, and he's got. I mean, the ceiling for him is the roof and above. Uh, with Evans, I know there's been not as much hype about him, but there has been excitement about him. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, interested to see when he plays with. If I know that Charlotte's in the playoffs, mm-hmm. um, so how much playoff burn he gets down in the AHL but also how he'll be able to do, I'm just assuming he's going to start next year out in the AHL, uh, but with the Seattle, the Coachella Valley Firebirds, which will be Seattle's uh, representative in the AHL. Cause right now, I don't know if you ever uh, saw that we're splitting the checkers with the Florida Panthers. So we're like sharing a minor league team right now. Yeah. I think you've mentioned that to me before. Kind of odd, weird, but it works. <laughs> so uh, also, in team news, on the 25th, the team recalled goaltender Joey Decord and defenseman Dennis Chalowski. Both of those guys play with the Checkers then in Charlotte. Um, but because Charlotte doesn't have games for a little bit of time, uh, will they wait for the playoffs? Why not give them some time up in the NHL burn, mm-hmm. see if they get any uh, any playing time? I know that um, in terms of there was they had their last practice today, uh, open to the public. Um, and defenseman uh, Hayden Flurry and Vince Dunn were not present. So that opens up a spot for Cholowski. But in the goaltender spot, not too sure how Joey might fit in there. But we'll see about that. And, you know, obviously, you know, there's four games, so there's plenty of time, I'd say, to get some uh, experience out there. In league-related news, Mark andre Fleury will play at least one more season. The current Wild Netminder reveals that he has plans to return for at least one more season. Uh, Flower has been a fan favorite in the league. Um, so it'll be nice to see him play at least one more year. So looking ahead, the Kraken play their last four games of the season. Um, they have a 26, 46, and 6 record. 26 wins, 46 losses, and 6 overtime losses, resulting in 58 points. As always, they sit at 8th in the Pacific Division. Their next four games are at the Vancouver Canucks on April 26th with a 7 o'clock puck drop. April 26th. Pardon me, 27th versus the LA Kings back at home with a 7 o'clock puck drop. April 29th versus the San Jose Sharks, the final home game of the season, a 7 o'clock puck drop. And then May 1st at the Winnipeg Jets, the final game of the season uh, for Seattle, and 11 a.m. Pacific time puck drop. So um, I'd say if you've got the funds and you've got the reason to, I get would out there. get out there for those last – because, again, outside of the those wild – that wild game and the stars game, these are, and they always put a show on at home. The whole experience is really great. And you can say that you were there for the inaugural season. So that's, that's history in yeah. of its own right. So if you can do so, I would say do so. And we head over to our oil rain here. Bell, why don't you take the reins for that and look at the final mm-hmm. rain game for the challenge cup in the group stage? Yeah. So the rain faced the San Diego wave and that game ended in a draw, one to one. Our player of the game was Allie Watt with one goal, three shots, two shots on goal, her first NWSL goal, and the rain clinched the West with the draw. 
So now I have to give some background on this game. So the first 18 minutes of the match, you know, this one's down in San Diego. So if it was at home, I could tell you what's going on. Mm -hmm. But the first 18 minutes of the match, the the CBS broadcast effed up. And the first 18 minutes were not streamed. So it no. just did technical difficulties. And Ali Watts' goal, her first NWSL goal, was not on the broadcast. It would no. happen in the 12th minute. So, I mean, there's like a really fuzzy gif of it online um, that someone had. So there's there's that. But also uh, the way that San Diego got their goal and that resulted in a draw uh, was off of a handball off of Ali Watt that hit her face. So the ball, if we can go to the wide here, <laughs> the ball was kicked. It hit her face and the ref said, no, nah, that's a handball oh my in gosh. the box. So that resulted in Alex Morgan getting the penalty kick and putting that away. And it resulted in a draw. I don't know about either, you know, obviously we got Bell here, but you know, someone behind the camera. I don't know if a ball hits you in the face. Is that your hand? I don't know. My I think there's a difference. Yeah. So, <laughs> and on the video, we do have actual video of that, of her getting hit yeah. in the face and it's her getting hit in the face. Oh, God. So, um, yeah, that was that game was an entire mess. There was a whole mess there, and there was even more than I just explained. There was uh, like a little fight there um, on the on the goal that Ali Watts scored. Um, the uh, Kalen Sheridan, the Wave goalkeeper, uh, like took out Bethany Balser, and she later on in the game had to go out. Uh, Rose Lavelle was injured in that game, so it was a it was a whole mess. Goodness. It was a a big mess, and just. Really could have the whole situation could have been handled by the NWSL differently. And another situation could have been handled differently, but we'll get to that as we mm. get to league news. Injury news, what do we have here? Uh, our match injury report. Angelina was out with the right ankle, Ziara King was out with the right ankle, and Megan Rapino was out with that right calf. Again, nothing too different. Yeah. And as we've said, Rapino is just focusing on regular season. So not too worried about that, but just hoping that both Angelina and Z are progressing well. So, and this one relates to you a little bit because we'll get to that section yeah. here a little bit later. But what happened on the 22nd? On the 22nd, goalkeeper Fallon Tolis Joyce earns a NWSL save of the week. She earned that for her save in the 82nd minute of the match on April 27th against Angel City FC. And it's the third week in a row that Tolis Joyce earns this honor. I'm going to hold my back my excitement for the, <laughs> our last segment here. But I just, I mean, Third week in a row. And again, like we were saying, I think to top the show off, three out of four. Pretty, yeah. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Good for her. And then the 24th. I want to look at this now because this is a big, I, I, to play off what, you know, with the Sounders match saying, it's a big effing deal. This is a big effing mess. Uh, so on the 24th, it was announced that the rain had earned home field advantage for the Challenge Cup semifinals. I mean, they were first in the West, and I think they took first in the league. Um, so they would have hosted a, a semifinal match for the Challenge Cup on May 4th. Um, but due to the CCL final that the Sounders are playing leg two on the 4th at 7 o'clock, and despite the league's best efforts, um, well, the league put out a statement that despite the best efforts of the club to find an alternate solution to retain a home field advantage, this will be a road game. 
for the rain. They will play the semifinal at Segra Field in Leesburg, Virginia, against the Washington Spirits. So Washington uh, effectively gets a home game. How much do you believe in home field advantage? The rain have one of the best supporting sections in all of NWSL, so I would say it's it's real. Um, and to have a field like Lumen Field compared to what I've heard about Segra, which is it's bad, mm-hmm. I think that's going to play some factor. I think that this is a talented enough group to overpower that and get past that, but it's still really frustrating, you know, to say that the club or whatever explored all avenues. This, like you and I talked about before we began here. There are several days this season where the rain and the Sounders play on the same day. Why can't you do that? Why can't you have a one o'clock kickoff? Because kickoff for the, the, the title game is at 10 a.m. Why would you have a 10 a.m. start time for a, a, a championship game? No less, right? You know, and so the semifinal match, you know, why can't you move it to the third or the fifth? And they, they earned it. They earned home field advantage. So it's just, it's, the league has handled it really poorly. Um, and that's, it's just frustrating. So if though the rain win this game, they will host the challenge cup final at Lumen field on May 11th. Um, yes. Um, at a 10 a.m. start, as I mentioned, 10 a.m. start and the regular season home opener that is scheduled for the eighth, uh, will have to be rescheduled. Mm. So, so they can reschedule games. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. So um, tell us what we've got looking ahead here. Um, we sit at a four wins, zero losses, two draw record, and first in the Western Division. And looking ahead, we have a May 1st at Washington Spirit, with a, a 2 p.m. start, and May 4th again at Washington Spirit for that Challenge Cup semifinal. And that, that May 1st game is uh, the regular season opener, not the home opener, obviously, mm-hmm. but the regular season opener. The rain will take on the, the defending champs in Washington. Um, it, that's just a whole mess. And that frustration has been felt by the fans. You know, it's, it's obviously the players as well, but it's just incredible that that's even a thing that we have to squabble about. Yeah. So, Imagine being really excited and then realizing that you can't even go to the game. Pretty much. Well, well even... It was originally, I think, scheduled for like a nine o'clock start, uh, that uh, final game. If you start at nine o'clock, you your like pregame stuff has to begin at like six. That's in that's ridiculous. That's in, you know that's a whole it's a whole different thing. Um, we'll head over to our Seattle SeaWolves here, who, as we've mentioned, have a tight playoff race in the Western Conference. Every game really counts. I think you can only lose maybe one game the rest of the season, and luckily they didn't. Mm-hmm. The burn that one game here, uh, April twenty third at the Utah Warriors down in Utah, a twenty to fourteen win, no bonus tri- uh, points unfortunately in the standings. Player of the game, uh, number eight Reichert Hatting with two tries in the thirty seventh and sixty third minute was able to record those two tries despite recording a yellow card really early on in the match. Mm-hmm. So was able to not have to worry about that, and well maybe he worried about it, but he was able to play through <laughs> yeah. it despite. And I mean, your team captain kind of showing that, hey, I, I may have this, but I'm still going to be able to produce is pretty impressive. But I mean, this was a game that was a little bit frustrating. I know that for a decent period of time, Seattle was losing 13 to 14. You're like, hey, Utah's only won two games. If you want to be in the playoff race, you lose this game, you're basically out. And they didn't do that, unfortunately. Well, fortunately. Um, but just looking at the scenarios and everything, every game really is important. 
And it doesn't get any, uh, like I said, you probably have to win four out of five games um, if you want to secure one of those playoff spots. Because if we look at the, um, <clears throat> we look at Major League Rugby and their standings right now, we go Major League Rugby and we head over here. You know, I think Austin at first in the Western Conference has pretty much secured their place for yeah. first. Like, unless. Goodness, and that's who we face next. <laughs> yeah, unless something oh, meteoric happens. They're not moving out of first place with 43 points. LA sits at 33 in second. Seattle is third with 31. So two points separate you in second. Um, three teams from each conference make the playoffs. So right now you're in a spot. But fourth place has 31 points. That's Houston. San Diego is fifth place, and they have 28. And they're not that far out of it. Oh. Dallas and Utah don't care. Um, so... That's uncomfortably close. Yeah, it's a really tight race. And like you mentioned, so now sitting at a six and five record, third in the Western Conference <clears throat> with those 30, uh, those points. Looking ahead, May 1st at Austin on the road against Austin. You already lost your first contest against Austin. So this is a four o'clock start time. This is, yeah, this is a really big game. If you're able to win this, I'd say I'd have some confidence in you going forward to lock up maybe the second, potentially the third. But it's not going to get any easier because, again, I think you, I mentioned it. You played Austin. You play L.A., who's second right now. Mm -hmm. You play Houston, who's right below you. And you play Rugby New York, who is a playoff team in the East. So there's four playoff teams potentially right there. All Everybody, four teams like fighting for their spot. Austin not fighting for their spot, but holding a commanding lead. So, And we have losses to Austin and L.A. already previously, right, in the season. So maybe it'll be like revenge games. <laughs> want to come out and win the next one. Well, yeah, but you, I mean, there's, there's so much added pressure too, because yeah, you have to, for sure. you know, and it's yeah. Playoff spot. So that'll be a big deal as we now switch over to Seattle star of the week. Um, simply put, I put Ty France. I, you know, I, I looked at it last night. I went back to the podcast episode where, uh, that we went over the, I, I say we, I went over that trade. That was September 5th of 2020 and i wow. said ty france you know is a guy who's produced blah blah blah. he's gonna be good and oh, i mean he had that. a he had a good season in 2021 and 2022 he's already lighting it up and i think he's just going to be a really integral part of this team that you know they want to get to the playoffs you know you want to increase your offensive put out output pardon me you know he's bringing up the team's batting average as a whole because his batting average is so high but he's also a guy that you know, plays well defensively on that side of the ball. So he lit it up, you know, American League Player of the Week. He's got MLB Network talking about him, which MLB Network never talks about the Mariners, really. Um, I thought he had a really incredible week. Um, yeah. And really excited to see him continue that throughout the course of the season. Your pick wasn't half off at all. I mean, Fallon's been great. But uh, why did you go with Fallon here? Um, that third week of getting the save of the week, you know, she's, she's doing her job and she's doing it well and defense wins games. So seeing her continue to be effective there as the goalkeeper, you can't and go wrong. <laughs> again, that was a spot that I thought maybe had a concern going into it this year. And she's quite at that. So, uh, with that being said, I will take a look. Well, I will, we will take a look here at that third save of the week. to get one here. Endo shooting it. Endo saved by Tullis Joyce. The first big one she had to make. 
She made it. A fantastic save from Tolis Joyce. Sees it the entire way and is a strong left hand just to push it over the end line. So, yeah, I mean, three out of four, you know, already really impressive uh, coming out and taking that starting spot. I can't argue with that. I really can't argue with that. And I think that this is a rain team that, again, has looking for their first NWSL title. Uh, they're kind of favorites in the NWSL right now around what I've been able to see from from just fan bases and just general writing. Kind of the favorites right now. But obviously, favoritism doesn't mean anything until you've got that hardware in mm -hmm. hand. Yeah. So. I think her her success, obviously, as a goaltender, will really be important for this team going forward, and she's already had a good amount of it so so far. So, again, not too bad. I, you know, going with Ty France, uh, Bell going with Tolis Joyce. You can't really go wrong with either way. Um, but man, what performances we've seen in the last few weeks! And uh, again, I think we picked a really good time to start including that segment. Mm -hmm. So, with that being said. Like I said at the top of the show, you know, you'll see whether it's me or Bell at the ballpark all season. We'll be at the Storm Games as this uh, their season kicks up, um, you know, Sounders throughout the year. So excited to be able to bring you this coverage of all of our pro teams here in Seattle. As they whether they continue off seasons, as they start to begin their season, if they're in the middle of their season, you know, just the best that we possibly can. So until we see you again uh, in May. May. It's going to be wow. Um, take care of yourself. Be well uh, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.